RC Alienation version 2.0. I am Dan. This is episode 231. Gang's all here. About time. Everybody's here. <laughs> one show. It's been a while. I guess it has kind of been a while, huh? It has. It has, hasn't it? Because you were gone, Dan, and yeah. then I was gone. Yeah. It's been a few weeks. Sweet. Welcome so back, think- the crew. <laughs> In the house. Yeah. So, uh, anybody do anything fun? Last week, other than deal with rain, because yeah, it's raining over here. I we don't get that much rain. Guarantee you that I had no question the least fun last weekend. Yeah, yes. really. Hmm. Do tell. I, I suppose that means you have to start then. Well, I. I lay on the table. My poker hand is uh, Ikea and Costco in Canada. Yeah, yeah that's dumb. Ooh, you're going, you're oh. going towards the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you went to the Great White North over the weekend? I did. Took my mom, took my wife, and we went there. And Wait a minute. So you went to Ikea... In Canada. That's right. And Costco mm-hmm. in yes. Canada. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why? Is, do you not have an Ikea or a Costco? No. So, yes, there is an Ikea, but it's quite a way south. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then there is that whole exchange rate thing right now. Oh. So it's like 20. Oh, it goes a little bit further up there. Yeah, 23 or 24% or something like that. Ah. It's a bit... So, Did you buy milk? Uh, Damn, no. really? It's that much? The exchange rate would not matter with milk up there. Okay. Milk is <laughs> no, the equivalent. It's not subsidized. No. Of gold? Milk yeah, and yeah. gasoline <laughs> are, are basically like uh, nitro. I think milk up there is like eight or nine bucks a gallon, 10 oh bucks a gallon. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why they hence, all drink beer. That's why they come down here and fill yeah. a shopping cart full of milk. <laughs> or why they just drink I, beer. Yeah. I don't get it. Do they not have cows in Canada? No, they no, don't they subsidize do. it. They don't what? Subsidize it. The government uh, subsidizes uh, our milk. Oh, I see. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah. So with the exchange and, you know, it's one of those where my mom's been wanting to go for a while, but, you know, all the stuff they want to buy is like freaking ginormous. And then, well, yeah, we just need the truck. Okay, then here, here's the keys. Take the you truck. You drive the truck. <laughs> That's right. Can, well, we want it. you to go. Translation, we just want you to carry a bunch of shit around. For, yeah, don't, huh. don't provide opinions about style. No. Or what I should or shouldn't get. Don't pipe Mm-mm. up about how much money I can spend. Nope. 
<laughs> just drive. Just the push truck. this big ass cart and load it in the truck. Did you get some <laughs> Swedish meatballs? A eh? no, I got nothing. <laughs> the only you know what the only positive thing of the whole trip I did get the border guy to giggle a little bit. That's like a goal huh. of mine. That's tough because they're How pretty so? straight faced, you know. And they eats. Ah, oh, so what was the purpose of your trip? I was like, dude, I went to IKEA and Costco. What do you think about that? And he just kind of giggled a little bit. <laughs> it's like, all right, have a good day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to ask you any more questions. Yeah, you've already <laughs> been through way more of hell than anything we could do to you here. <laughs> um, no, so, yeah, that was kind of the the gist of my weekend. Uh, Saturday was moving into the, the new job, which is going well. Kind of nice. It is amazing to be off an hour earlier every day. Mm, so nice, nice. Oh man, I know. I'm feeling that love now. I just need to translate it into flying, which I'm hoping. Yeah. You know, after you know how it is, first week at a new job, it's just like you know. And we've started all these immediately. It was like summer project time or whatever, but. Uh, so flying wise, I did not get any flying in last weekend. Um, let's see, buying. Uh, um, well, I did get. Um, I had been flying the seven seventy on Justin's seven fifty threes. Uh, so those were back to Justin, and I did get a buddy of mine sent a pair of seven seventies. So I'm all you know flying everything officially. Which I hear are quite shitacular, so we we will. Fu- <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm said shitacularness at least for the original versions. Well, I think we're you know we're kind of past that point uh, where everyone is is okay with that. I don't feel like anyone's gonna get mad at me for saying that. I hope not. Um, yeah, you'll find out. I think we uh, we are all all of us team members are looking forward to the new blades. How about that? Very much so. You know what would suck? What's that? If the new blade sucked too, or are worse, that would. I, oh, Jesse. Now, okay, Jesse. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's even possible, dude. <laughs> Thank you that's for saying it. that, wow. Justin. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I mean, I love me some goblin action, but those blades. It's like what the? Yeah. So, and I'm trying to, you know, when it came down to, oh my, night the nitro is in root. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That's good to know. So I should have that. Um, well, by the time you guys hear it, it'll be probably, you know, a couple days after this show comes out. It's going to be a mad dash to Othello. Did you rebuild oh. the engine, dude? Nope, not yet. I'll do that probably the day before it shows up. Do it the night before. And that'll kind of keep get the momentum going, you know? Mm-hmm. Right now, I just, I don't know. I'm more interested right now. In finding out, I'm trying to find some information. Uh, you know, remember I said that they threw me a huge loop with the whole 650 and then the stretch kit. And then it was, you know, it's going to be like a super lightweight 700. Well, I was kind of having some conversations. And Justin, I think you were one of them. And Jesse, we've even talked about this. Mm-hmm. The difference of how your protos is on 710s versus yep. the 690s. I mean, it's just huge. There's a huge difference. So 
I, I'm kind of trying to, you know, I, there was a, there was a very, very, very strong bond that I took immediately with the 570. I mean, it's just, it's like, you know, you just have ones that are good and then you have ones where you're like, oh my God, I'm so connected to this helicopter. And that was one of them. And it might be a little early to jump the gun, but I really, really feel like the 770 was exactly the same way. I mean, it went from maiden flight to 100% comfort level in like three flights. It was just awesome. And what kind of, I just was sitting back going, dude, wait a minute. It, it, I wonder if it's the disc loading. I don't know. Maybe it's the way you've got it tuned, but that disc loading just really seems to work for me because they're both rather lightly disc loaded. Um, and I, so uh, what I'm getting at is thinking that I had to have the Black Thunder before because I've never. You had to have the what? The oh yeah, sorry. I, Black Thunder. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah, yeah that yeah. one. Okay, now okay. Now yeah. you know, know what, what I'm talking about. Now we all know what. Yeah. yeah. Um, was because of the disc loading, but I'm kind of wondering if I won't be able to get there with the new 710 Thunderbolts on the 700 competition. Because I'll be honest, yeah, I would prefer not to have to buy another helicopter. To get that. Just because it's like, I don't, I don't need it. You know what I mean? Dan, he's gotten to the point where he has so many helicopters. He's (laughs) turning the corner. He's like, like, I don't, I don't want any more helicopters. Like, don't, don't force me to do this, guys. Well, (laughs) I mean, if I have to, I'll take one for the team, but shit. Yeah. (laughs) Finally realized he can only fly one at a time. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird like that. I can only fly one of these but, at a time. You know, I I also really enjoy all of the ones that I have. I'm just I I'm trying to take that last 5%, I'll call it, and turn my 700 class into that that just that connection that I have with the 570 and with the 770. And and so it doesn't really matter to me if it's a 700 comp or if it's the the Black Thunder, but I'm kind of hoping that it's that it's what I got. And sometimes it's just very little. And I'm picking the fly shit out of the pepper to be, I mean, completely fair here. I love the way mine flies and it's great. But you know what I mean? When it's just dialed, when it's you, when it's, yep. yeah, when you can feel everything about it. Because uh, when I was out flying the 770, Man, I just, dude, it was like all over again, my autos. I was immediately doing all of the old autos that I was doing before. Like just no concern at all. Big inverted 180 autos. And and it's like, oh, I thought I lost this. But I think, um, yeah. Just it is, I have to say, it's incredibly pleasing to hear that you enjoyed the 770 as much as you do. Because I, I, I'll be honest, I expected it to be what you originally thought, which was, you know, hey, I'll fly the 770 ever so often. It's going to be one of those. It's like the three blade. It's mm-hmm. not my main thing, but I'll be okay with it. And it sounds like it's turning into more than that. Well, 
And so what did happen last time I was out flying it that was a big eye opener. Remember in our little voltage talk we had about, yep. do you need 12? Well, I can without question say I need 14S because I did a sustained 12S bog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, just did you hear want, it? Were you there? I'm not. Yeah, I was there, but I'm not sure I'd be proud of that. Well, no, but I mean, <laughs> no, like, just, yeah, I well, actually. We, you have to subscribe or describe <laughs> yeah. the, the, the circumstances surrounding said bog. Oh, I was doing, I was just, dude, I was angry flying it. Like, a no question. It's at 1900, 13 degrees of pitch, and I was just honking on it. Having a hoot. And I threw it into a big, huge hurricane. Mm-hmm. And I was hauling through the hurricane. And I was doing like a... It started with like a slow pirouetting her kind of hurricane where I try and hit the four quadrants, you know? Tail this way, tail down. And then going tail back and then tail up. And I was doing one of those... And as I came around in front of me, it was tail down. So I was like, yeah, let's just keep this going into what I call like a power funnel. It's not really like a funnel because it's vertical. <laughs> and it's a wall. I know, I very distinctly know that sound of goblin tail stall. It's got a, it just, it resonates in the boom. Like it's, you can pick it out a mile away when you stall the tail. It's just, it sounds horrid. Uh, This was not that. This was not the tail losing because the tail never lost. This was the entire power system just went. And I went, whoa, not good. And then I backed out a little bit and it didn't come back. (laughs) Well, plus, dude, you got some serious freaking motor strapped to the front of that thing. Yes, exactly. And so then I backed out a couple more degrees and it finally recovered. And I was like, dude, 12S stall. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And those packs were not very, they were not very happy about that. Were they super hot when you pulled them out? Uh, About 130 degrees. Ooh. Okay. That's toasty. Yeah. That's up there. In there. So, you know. Kind of is what it is. The cool part is uh, with my plans on really flying, you know, I've got three stick packs set up in 12S. So I think those will be solid for whichever 700 I have, uh, you know, whichever setup I, I end up. And I I mean, it's the 480 KV motor, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. So different pinion set of packs. I'm good to go. So I might be purchasing a. A 14S set. That's I don't. I literally don't need to do anything to swap it. Here's what you really need to do. You need to keep that pinion and run it at the same throttle percentage. <sighs> <laughs> I Jesse, voltage. We yeah. need to see him at Othello. Mm-hmm. Two thousand at twenty two hundred. Twenty two hundred. No. I, I'd be afraid of that, dude. Nick that thing is, would probably sound like it was ready to And one more explode. curveball at night. At night. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, that would be spectacular. No, I mean, I could. Uh, we'll see how these blades fly and how the new, uh, which, ooh, here's a little teaser for everyone. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, so I hope I don't get in trouble. But um, the new blades, the Thunderbolts, are not coming out in 770 size, I believe. I think they're coming out in a 750 and like a 780 size. Ooh. Or 780 or 800, I can't remember. Hmm. So. Nice. Yeah. 750. I love the 750 action. That's where it's at. But 750s at 1950. Huh. See, I'm hoping that the the Thunderbolts, Nick, are going to be wider cord in those, lar- you know, like greater than 700 mm-hmm. sizes, mm-hmm. because that was one of my complaints. The 770 blades, I mean, yeah, they are floppy as hell, but they also only had like a 61 millimeter cord where the edge 753s you were just running were at 65. Yeah, but oh, well. OK, but see, I'm not so sure about that because. You know, a lot of people love the aligned, what are they, 780s? 780s, but even those are like 63. I thought they were a narrower cord. I don't think they're as narrow as the SABs, dude. I may be wrong on that. Maybe I think you're just feeling us, the floppiness. You think so? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. It's like a stiff leather belt. It's like a bunch of 380 blades glued together. (laughs) (laughs) Woody's. Yeah, Woody. Shugu. With Shugu. Yeah, lots of Shugu. Excessive Shugu. Okay. I am done. Yeah, I'm done. When building a new helicopter, it is a relief to know that I don't need to worry about what brand of servos I'm going to use. Now that I have hundreds of flights on multiple sets of BK servos, I have no problem running them on any heli and recommending them to anyone. For me, they bring everything to the table that I need in a set of servos. Strength, speed, cost, and of course, looks. With the sexy machined aluminum cases and affordable gear sets, I definitely know which servos are going on my next heli. Check them out at bkservo.com. I'm going to go. Because I don't really think I had much better of a week than Nick. Now, here's the deal. I did not have to contend with the likes of Ikea or Costco over the weekend. But I did not get any flying in this weekend whatsoever uh the weather was let me remember here the weather was on and off at least down here more off than on but it just didn't happen i had stuff going on with work stuff going on around the house and i felt towards the end of the weekend that i was starting to get sick and that came to fruition earlier this week so here we go How, what has it been like six weeks since i got sick last time and i'm back it's another hmm. cold no doubt brought to me by the pestilence that is my son's daycare 
because those kids run around and blow their nose on each other and pick their asses and lick the floor and stuff like that. So <laughs> that that has not contributed to an enjoyable week. That said, in the heli world, other than the fact that I haven't gotten any stick time, it actually has been pretty good. Because I'll tell you, you know, rewinding back to recording last week, last week's show, episode 230, man, Nick, Nick said something that just hit me hard. Oh, and yeah. and it, it was about the, the whole, don't you have four speed helis, dude, and none of them are flying? And I kind of quickly was like, no, dude, no, there's a, hey, I got a speed heli that's flying. It's the R5. So... <laughs> I was listening to that on Monday and I'm thinking to myself, damn it. Screw you, dude. You are so right. <laughs> I do not feel prepared. And Othello is like two and a half weeks away. For the record. Yes. You don't have to like. We all know. I mean, you, this might come as a shock to you every spring. <laughs> but this is something that it's. I mean, this is very well known. So I, I say that to not mock you, but to make you feel a little bit better than that. The reality is you're right on track. Well, but here's the thing. I think this year is worse <laughs> than recent years. I didn't want to say it. But yeah, it you is. Said it. I mean, the work thing. <laughs> the work thing has just made it very difficult to be productive. So after I was so deeply offended by you, Nick. I sat down Monday night and I busted out my little whiteboard in my uh, in my shop area and started writing up a list of things to do. And then I transferred that to my notes app on the iPhone. And over the next day or so, I uh, started piecing together sort of a set of priorities. And I have worked every night this week so far, little bits and pieces here and there. I started with a goblin speed that was not ready to fly. If you guys recall from last week, I was lamenting the fact that unfortunately I was unable to get the three digi connected uh, to the computer. I was running into some issues there. Finally got that solved a uh, little bit on that. And I, I won't go into too much detail because I do want to discuss it in my sort of Delta review of the whole thing. But if you are having problems connecting your three digi, try two things. One, try different USB cables because I found that certain USB cables connect better than others. And two, try applying light force to the mini connector that plugs into the unit in the direction of the servo ports or the back end of the fly barless controller. Once I figured that out, I got it connected and got the whole goblin speed up and running. And I got to tell you, man, that's impressively simple to do. I, I was blown away because I'm looking at the manual and I'm like, holy shit, this thing's like 80 pages long. And the software's got like, 50 tabs and windows and options and everything. You go into the wizard. I walked through the wizard. I literally went from not even being able to connect the unit to my PC to having it all but swash leveled in about 10 minutes. It's nuts, huh? 
it it was very easy. So that, I mean, first impressions, USB connections aside, thumbs up. Nice. Uh, and then that, so that nice. was one night. I ended up coming back another night, among other things, and getting it finally leveled out with my with my Soko tool. Had a little bit of a scare there for a second. In fact, I think I was even texting ex- obscenities to Nick at like <laughs> 1230 in the morning. <laughs> well, dude. Which is a normal occurrence. For it the is. It, it, that's actually. So don't be normal. alarmed. Yeah, this is, that. It, that was not like a. Yeah. And it wasn't. It's very normal. I thought I lost my Soko tool and not because my shop is dirty. Like right now it's very well organized and clean, but I got this. I've never had a an epic panic over not being able to find something. But this particular night, I was so motivated to get shit done that when I couldn't find it, I was freaking out. I think uh, that that tool, when I take a step back and think it through, is probably one of my all-time favorite tools in my kit. Because it really has revolutionized the the leveling of the swash plate and actually being confident that it's done correctly and once you figure it out and work through the the app it's dude it's super quick it's like it's a five minute thing 10 minutes max so finally got that figured out i do have to throw you under the bus though why we all like a good laugh adjusted moment right Mm mm-hmm (laughs) <laughs> yeah of course uh-huh. dude. I, I think so so we're sitting there and he's like dude okay i don't get this the parameter sets don't work which are like the bank switching and they, oh, they just yeah. <laughs> they don't work and i'm like yes they do well how do you make them work i said dude you missed it go into the transmitter calibration he's like okay there it is i'm flipping the switch it's not working and I'm like, okay, did you assign the right channel? I mean, we're we're kind of going back to basics here, which I was a little shocked. Yeah, like super basics. He's like, everything else is working, but that channel right there. And I said, well, isn't it seven? Well, no, I have it on nine because I have my head gain there because he's got it all set up for like, you know, mm-hmm. for speed tuning in flight. Yeah, like which, in flight tuning. Which is just awesome that you can do that with a three digi because you can have different gains all over the place. So this goes on for like five minutes and he, you know, I'm like, well, maybe it's some weird, like they don't, you know, may, maybe that it's just set up that it's not, you know, like they didn't get the the option for the jetty and he's like no it's in ppm which is that's very similar to like the s bus deal so that doesn't make sense and justin why don't you tell them what it ended up being (laughs) okay well yeah so this I, i i'm i own it like i'm fine with owning that this was stupid but the the jetty receivers or at least the smaller ones right the r3 the r5 the r6 they're uh they they are fully capable of outputting through ppm or the ex bus as many channels as your transmitter is capable of supporting they they're just limited in port count like physical ports that you can plug into so the default is eight channels and i never 
ever, ever use more than eight channels because I've only got one real-time tuning parameter on the Bavarian Demon. It doesn't let me tune like eight things simultaneously like the 3Digi does. So I've never had to use more than eight. So I set up, like Nick was saying, I set up my, my <laughs> tail gain on five, my head gain on seven, and then I chose eight to be one tuning parameter. Okay, whatever. I can't even remember what it was that I chose. I think it was like a, a, an eye gain or something. And so I'm sitting here struggling on channel nine, like Nick says, and I'm like, you know what? Screw this shit. I got a hunch. So I go into the receiver menu on the jetty. You can actually access the receiver as if it was a uh, sort of uh, its own component and you can program the receiver in the transmitter. And I went to default settings and it's like channel count eight like son of a bitch so basically <laughs> so, what he's so, getting at is that his fancy ass radio was so fancy that it kicked his ass yeah because it smarter than it yeah. did yeah. i couldn't for the life of me at least for the first five minutes figure out why the hell it wasn't doing what i wanted it to do but yeah nice. so i got that all figured out no problem uh i got the let's see so that was the goblin speed goblin speeds up and ready to go with the three digi remaiden on the three digi the nitro's good now the 380 is good the tdr1 i now have a parts list okay that's, <laughs> i know <laughs> baby that's, that's, you know Woo, yeah, i got eight that's helis good. here or however i don't even know how many i've got but it takes some time tdr2 check this out you ready last time I had the canopy and the boom. This time, I have the canopy and the fucking boom. <laughs> Where is the rest of the helicopter? Well, thanks to the U.S. Postal Service, uh, it so get this, right? It says, en route to customs, okay? Went to customs. Took three or four days, cleared customs, San Francisco. Okay, now it's in Federal Way, which is a city south of me in Washington. And that's where, like, the main distribution plant is. Mm -hmm. So whenever it says arrived in distribution plant in Federal Way, I know it's no longer than 48 hours away from my doorstep. So I'm like, this is sweet. That was about the time that we were recording last week. And I'm like, I should have this by Monday. Well, Monday rolls around, no updates. Tuesday rolls around, no updates. Wednesday, it says uh, shipment redirected en route to Capitol Hills, Maryland. <laughs> I'm like, that's what close. The hell is going on. It was 50 miles south of me. It is now across the freaking country. <laughs> so it just got to Maryland and now it says departed capitol hills maryland on its way to its destination which damn it 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 better be seattle i'll tell you what because i got in touch with jan on email jan henslet and i'm like um not you know not really accusing you or anything but can you at least double check that you wrote the right address on there and he's like yep it's addressed correctly it's all your guys shit like, it's all on the U.S. Postal Service. So I haven't gotten it yet. I'm waiting. 
There hasn't been an hmm. update in 24 hours. I don't know where the hell it is. I hope I get it soon. Wow. So that's, that's, my, frustrating. that's my TDR. Did you call story. the postal service? Did you call them? No, I have <laughs> make sure that like the destination city is entered right. Or, I, 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 so here's the deal. The, the reason I, I'm confident that it's entered right is because Jan showed me the shipping invoice. Mm. So I know it has my name and address on it. And when I check from the the origin carrier, which was DHL, it lists my name as the recipient. Oh, okay. So I'm going to give it another couple of days, see what the next update is. If it says it's going to Alaska or Japan or something, I'm going to throw a freaking fit. <laughs> or if it says delivered. Oh, Jesse. <laughs> it's not, Jesse. And it's not on your doorstep. Don't, don't do that, man. <laughs> that would oh, be geez. bad. <laughs> did you see that some little old lady this is the weird looking vacuum cleaner <laughs> oh. she just tosses it in the garbage no <laughs> and you know what dan i would be screwed in that case oh. i don't know i mean what could i do about that uh will the post office refund me they will the full re- value they won't re i mean i would assume that Henslet would have to. Yeah, did he get insurance for the full? They, they have to ship it insured. I don't know. You don't get a shipping option. Hmm. You, you're it's got to be insured at the end. Do you want this helicopter or not? <laughs> and when you click yes, it shows up when it shows up. Because uh, okay, so let's let's go back to our selling etiquette. I believe that it is your. I mean. It's your responsibility to get the product to the customer. Sure. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah. So you choose the, you know, unless they choose the shipping style, but I mean, you, they chose a specific shipping way because of this. So it's your responsibility that if it doesn't show up, it's not like he says, okay, it's in the mail. My responsibility's done. No, it needs to be right here. Now your responsibility's done. Yeah, well, it won't come to that. It'll show up in a few days. I I think that's the case, Dan. I've got to believe that because if not, I will go freaking insane. But I'm ready. I'm excited for that to show up. We'll see. Hopefully next week, I will be able to talk to you about what it actually looks like. Tri-state killing spree, maybe? Oh, Oh, that'd be bad. (laughs) That would be bad. Mm-hmm. Let's not think about that yet. I don't even like to joke about that one because that would just be bad. That would just, uh, yes. Moving on. Some yes. some kid got exactly. the greatest connect set of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so I I think that's that's mainly it. The only other thing that I did, which I think you guys all got to see on video, was finalize at least the first version of my grassroots timing system for speed flying. Mm -hmm. And it now has a GUI that actually tells you in real time what each runtime is and how fast that equates to for the course size that you're running. So, uh, you know, for example, going back to what we had at our fun fly, if we do it again this year, we don't need stopwatches. All we need is that. And yeah. a dude at the at the center table writing the times down. And because nice. the text can be made to be big, the crowd can look at the actual screen as it's going and see how the person's doing. 
That would be it. awesome. Yeah. A lot more interactive. I think it would be cool. When can we try it out? I'm bringing it to Othello. Yes. So I need people to help uh, trigger, you know, click the buttons and actually fly the course. Yeah, I better get some batteries. Stat. Yeah. <laughs> Stat. Yeah. I'll pull I'll uh, I'll sit on a trigger for you. Yeah. Awesome. And then we can actually get some I am dying to know how fast my 500's going. Like I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out over here. Well, we will know soon enough. Huh. Cool. Sweet. Is that it for you? That's it, man. Me? I think it's fair to say that we all love a good deal. But why is it that whenever I need to order parts, I can't find a coupon code or a sale on what I actually need? Well, that's why I shop at Lower Heli. They simply have the lowest prices all the time. From my personal favorites like SAB, Hobby Wing, and now V-Control, to Align, Pulse, tons of other brands, and even a great selection of FPV equipment. So stop wasting your time chasing discount codes and weekend sales. Head on over to Lower Heli to get what you need when you need it. That's www.lowerheli.com for the lowest everyday prices. Just jump right in there, Jesse. Do Go it. after. Do it, man. <clears throat> so I'm learning that... Um, there are quite a few of our listeners out there that are in the same, I guess, predicament that I am with my flying right now. I have received this week several emails expressing that very issue that I'm having to some extent. Not, with the, you know the I mean? brain freeze on the flying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, got some emails from... From the UK, uh, with some suggestions, people, other things that people have tried to kind of break that uh, horrible mind <laughs> issue. One of them that I actually got, um, which I think might work to some extent, is uh, one of our listeners said that he found a location to which in which that he can kind of fly from a hilltop. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it gives him, he said, he said, I don't know why, but it just makes me feel, um, more confident because the helicopter can go below my, uh, you know, level. It it can go down into a Canyon or whatever, uh, you know, some elevation of some sort. I, I thought about that and I can, I can think of a couple locations where I could do something like that, but, um, Prior to this happening, I was, I don't, I don't know why, or if I was in a conversation with someone about it, um, I actually think, I actually think it was a listener from the UK as well, but, uh, he was, he was telling me how he flies on a hillside and, uh, we got to talking about it. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I would like that. You know what I mean? That whole that's just a view of the helicopter that you well, just don't ever see. That's what I was right? going to say. How effective are you going to be at saving it? Like top those orientations. Down. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you're not, you're not, there's no muscle memory or reflex there to, yeah. to dig the um, helicopter out. 
you know, I don't, I don't know. There's lots of, it was just kind of reassuring. I mean, a lot, you know, I, it's, I guess it's not a, you know, it's, it's it, what really is aggravating is I know it's all in my head and I just can't, I don't know what the hell is going on. I just can't break it. But as far as flying, um, we've decided that we're in the rainy season here and typically we get rain, but certainly not daily like we have been getting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're dealing with that whole halfway decent during the weekday and shitty on the weekends. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, supposed to be the same thing this weekend. Though Sunday does look a little promising. Uh, so Fred and I and um, uh, a couple of the guys are going to head to the field, kind of give it a go, give it a go, and see what happens. And well, you know, one thing, another. I don't know why I hadn't thought about this either, but uh, one option that I do have available to me and. Uh, is the rescue option, you know? Oh yeah. I know yes. Nick, we never, we never yeah, got around to, um, to setting that up, but I certainly don't think that's going to be a big deal. I, I, I don't know why I hadn't considered that. And is Mainly, yours enabled Dan? Cause isn't it like a software option? Yeah, it his, is. It, it is. is enabled. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so we all need to do it. Jesse, we, you've never tried it on the V bar either. Have you? Not on the V-Bar, but you've never tried it ever. No. On anything. Nope. The only only fly barless controller I've ever tried it on is a Bavarian Demon. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I was actually quite impressed with how how it worked. Well, uh, I, we sh- I, I think we should all do it. It's a good. On the V-Bar. Yeah. Just to get the experience with it. Yeah. For better or for worse. And I also think that... Uh, I I don't know. Uh, I know in the past we've, I don't know if you guys made this comment. I know I've made this comment, but at the time my flying was progressing at at a rate where I felt like I didn't need it. And I know I've called it a crutch in the past. And actually somebody brought that up on the forums. I don't know if you guys saw that post. Mm -mm. Um, one of our listeners, Clem, ah, Clem, you guys know that name, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think, Mm -hmm. I think it was him. But he was talking about how he even brought that up. He said, I know, you know, the RCHN guys have called that a crutch in the past. He said, but, you know, as I get older and I don't want to spend money or time fixing shit, he said, I, I, it's a tool. And I, he said, I don't have any problem using it. I, I kind of think that uh, I kind of think I need to start thinking like that. Um, Time to get a new tool. I'll tell you what, man. I mean, I've had a lot of, with the Bavarian Demon having it for many years, I've had a lot of listeners and people at the field ask about it and ask along those same lines, is it really a crutch? And I think it can be if you let it become a crutch. But Mm -hmm. I, I think that the way... So I rarely use it. I only have it on my 3D helis because it doesn't make sense to have it on a speed heli. Um, And I honestly, the only time I ever use it is when I'm trying to bring a new uh, tricky move from the sim to the real thing. Mm -hmm. And what I actually found is uh, if I if I make it a little bit of a game for me in my head to try to recover the heli and then only use the bailout when I know I, you know, Hey, I've given it two mistakes out of three high. I haven't recovered it. Use the bailout. 
And so it, it's actually helped a lot with uh, doing double and triple pyro flips, which I'm still working on. I don't have those anywhere close to nailed, but it's one of those things where I, I can, I feel confident that I can almost always bail out of that maneuver in any orientation that the hell he's going to be on my own without using the Bavarian demon. And the only time I will ever use it is when it gets super close and, you know, half a second or so away from disaster. Mm -hmm, So it, it forces you, it just, it gives you the safety net. You know, it's there, but don't use it. If, unless you know that you're not going to be able to recover. Yeah. Um, when I was messing around with the Bavarian demons, uh, bailout, um, I found, I actually kind of found it fun to use. I, I was, I mean, I was not, it wasn't my heli, um, but I was setting it up for, uh, Quinn, um, down in, uh, there's two Quins now that listen that I know of, yeah. not, not Kalispell Quinn, uh, the other, the other Quinn. And, um, I was pretty impressed with, uh, the stability it gave and, uh, it was actually quite, quite I don't know, fun might be the wrong word, but it was uh, interesting to watch it uh, just very quickly recover the helicopter. I mean, to the point, I don't know how V-Bar's rescue works, but uh, you could, if you weren't careful on the Bavarian Demon, you could, you you could do damage to your helicopter. It could be that quick. Well, and you got to tune that. Yeah, you do. So, but anyway, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll. I'll delve more into that this weekend. Hopefully Sunday I get get some time in. I am uh, fully stoked and completely ready to head to Othello. Cannot wait. Nice. Oh, it's, it's uh, soon. Yeah. I think I'm going to be dragging probably two people with me. So that'll be kind of fun. And uh, we got a... Uh, we got a guy that works for us that actually listened to the show. His name's Ryan. He's, uh, um, I don't know. He hasn't, he's never seen, oh, uh, I don't want to misquote this, but I, I know for a fact he's never seen another 700 fly. Oh geez. Right. Wow. Uh, I don't think he's, I think he even told me he's never seen a 700 at all. Not other, you know, in person, uh, fly. So he's never, definitely has never, uh, I might be misquoting that, but I know it was some, something along that. He'll, I'm sure he'll correct me when he hears this, but uh, yeah, he's looking forward. I think he's going to make it. Definitely looking forward to to hanging out and uh, watching some very skilled pilots. So that'll be a lot of fun. Didn't, haven't really bought anything. Um, uh, Nick, you'll be happy to know I have drilled a hole in the main gear and installed a magnet. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Don't necessarily, nice. doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to use it because I'm going to still give this uh, uh, stator gator that Chris Lund sent me a try. Aye. But it's there. Uh, and I've got a bracket. I made a bracket uh, for the hall sensor. You should just and, mount it and not plug it in. Like put it all the way yeah. to where in. the tip is resting <laughs> on the fly system just in case. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's exactly how it's set up. I mean, I, I got it all nailed yeah. in. Good. I kind of followed Doug Darby's. Uh, he's got a little, I don't know, uh, I found a post. I don't think it's a sticky or anything, but it's exactly how he's got his set up. 
and um, it's just simply an align sensor and mounts right onto the. Uh, had to do a little custom fabrication to the to the um, G10. Uh, I don't know what the hell you call it. The little mounting bracket, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just mounts right into the uh, um, servo mounts on the on the on the helicopter up top. So, nice. Yeah, fits right down. It was actually super easy. In fact, I want to say it was easier than putting in a stator gator, and that's not very hard to do. So I may switch over completely if I have good luck with it. If I can't, I really want to see if this other stator gator that I have is bad, which all indications kind of say that it is. So we will find out hopefully this weekend, get that thing up in the air and uh, got a few more cans of uh Good Coleman now, so I've got uh, plenty of good oil. For a couple months should be good to go. Yeah, nice. that reminds me, Dan. I found three cans of Coleman in my garage. You want them? Oh yeah, bring that shit. Yep. Three right. cans? Yeah, dude. Jeez, you find me three cases of nitro? No, I have two cases of nitro, and you're not getting shit out of that. Uh, That's my nitro. No, I might actually have that to. Too. I think I might have to purchase a gallon from someone because I have no gallons of nitro. I had seriously, I had two gallons, brand new ones, and I gave them to one of you guys, and I don't have a clue who it was. Uh, I think you gave it to me. Well, there you go. You can have it back. How does that sound? No, no, no. You put it in. No, you put it in the trailer when I was there last. Oh yeah, you said, "Look, look, you're you're nitro multiplied." So, yeah, maybe it's. I mean, it's yeah. all right. It's just that it's. I, I don't even. Jesse, where do you even get yours now? Back then, well, I haven't bought it in quite a while because I had like four cases, uh, stocked that's up, true. four or five cases, and now I'm down to like three gallons. So yeah, I'm gonna be right there with you here. Well, I have. I've got a quick. hobby shop that is five minutes from my work that sells Cool Power Thirty for twenty-seven dollars a gallon. That's wow. It's oh, not that's, that bad. Actually, better than when I think the last time I bought it. I yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I do have three cases myself, and I probably won't be burning much nitro. So. Wow. I thought about running rotor age for the season, just because. I mean, get it for just because 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 just to be opposite. Okay, well, I have a gallon of rotor rage that I won at a fun fly last year. 30%? Yep. You want it? I mean, I might. Ooh. I Don't get me wrong. I have no problem with cool power, but I've ran rotor rage in the past, and to be completely fair, it tuned a little bit differently, but I never really had a problem with either one. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, if I can get it, I I I just might just to be different. Speaking of nitro, uh, I heard a little. I I don't know if this is true, and maybe somebody in the UK can confirm this. But I was talking with of all people, Callum Vickers. Do you guys remember Callum? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's kind of stepping back into the RC heli world. I saw uh, that, dude. That was his first flight back after three years. I didn't see the video. Okay. Two little tidbits then. First, we'll talk about this nitro. Um, in the UK, you can't buy 30% unless you have some special permit from the government. Did you guys know that? 
I did I not know that's know true. That. People could, yeah, did it's like uh, you have to prove you're not like a domestic terrorist or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, isn't hmm. that weird? So it's not just uh, our government that's leaning on the hobby; it's other governments as well. But uh, back to Callum, um, I guess I don't know if it was last weekend or a couple weekends ago. He uh, posted a video on Facebook and. I was actually quite impressed, uh, you know, because that whole flying style, Nick, that I talk about that you have that, you know, kind of Bobby Watt style, that mm-hmm. flowing 3D, you know, and that's that was kind of the rage back when, you know, Callum was flying and he was a pretty good pilot, right? He was a, a full factory compass pilot back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, He... I, you know, he he put one little hover flight on it just to make sure his 700 from, you know, four, three, four years ago was still operational, brought it back down, filled it up, and they videoed the flight. And I was, was quite amazing to watch because knowing that he hadn't flown at all for all those years, he just picked it up like he'd never left. And it was just that, that style of flying, that mm-hmm. smooth, purposeful hmm. Uh, it's pretty impressive to see. I don't know. We'll see what he does, but uh, it's kind of nice to, we, he and I chatted this week. It's kind of nice to catch up with him. Um, but uh, hopefully he sticks with it this time. Kid's got a lot of talent. He's not a kid anymore. It was, yeah, how, how old is he, Dan? <laughs> I want to say he's got to be 22 ish now. So I guess he's still a kid, but um yeah, he's he's grown up quite a lot. Okay, I guess <laughs> so, I didn't realize he was still that young. Yeah, he was pretty young. I want to say he was 17, 18 when he was on the show. Let's see, that uh, wraps up my week pretty much. Looking forward to Othello. Got a few trailer issues and hopefully I'll get sorted out this week. But uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, well, hopefully. We'll see. I mean, when it comes right down to it, it's going to be okay because... I still have the little trailer, but yeah, hope, hopefully I can bring the big trailer. With you, me. Uh, you, you know what? Yeah, I forgot cozy about in that. There. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's it's all it's neither here nor there. It's just I was kind of looking forward to the yeah, comfort of that bigger trailer. So yeah, hey. uh, yeah. It, it, we'll see. We'll see what they say. Get it figured get some out. Repairs done. That leaves you, Jesse. You got. It. Do you wish there was a fly barless system that could make you throw down like a pro? Well, now there is. The Spartan Vortex fly barless system is offering some of the most advanced features seen on the market today, making sure that you'll be flying like a pro in no time. So what are you waiting for? Go and get your Vortex fly barless system today. Results may vary based on pitch, response time, age, head speed, brand of heli, time of the year, crash budget, number of friends cheering you on, size of helicopter, temperature, wind, servos, weight of heli, willingness to take risks. Contact your favorite hobby shop about getting your Spartan fly barless system today. For more information, check out www.bkdesignsllc.com. All right, well, it's not on the show last week because I was out of town. So, getting your fingernails painted. Getting the yeah, getting the finger and the toes. Don't forget and the, the toes. toes. Yeah, Excellent. you can't do one without the other. No, it was the uh, WSU football spring game in Spokane. So 
Unfortunately, I was in the car a lot last weekend, so that really sucked. <laughs> it was wasn't all that. I mean, it was a it was a fun weekend, but I mean, we left Friday midday, drove for six and a half hours, got got in you know later Friday night, spent all Saturday there, watch you know watch my brother play, and then did the whole hang out with the family dinner for the night, and then Sunday morning like nine o'clock back on the road. So very quick, fast, furious weekend. Um, but no flying last weekend. So. Throughout the last week, I did get my hands on the new YS96 SRX motor Trek Edition that we're doing a review on. So I finally intercepted that from Nick. Um, got that over. So I've been wrenching on the N7, getting it completely torn down and ready for this motor. And you know, I'm kind of I'm taking my time a little bit and taking this opportunity. I haven't had the N7 apart for a while. I haven't. There hasn't been a ton of flights put on it, but there's been a fair amount. Um, and so I'm kind of taking this opportunity to do a little bit of maintenance, go through, do my due diligence, you know, check all the bearings, um, give everything a really good clean because we all know how disgusting nitros get. It really doesn't take very many flights at all um, before they're just, yeah, dirty. So give it a good clean do some, you know, do all the maintenance, go do the due diligence, check the bearings, check, just, just go through the helicopter, make sure it's good to go. Since, you know, fun fly season, the flying season's picking up, everything's right here. So just want that helicopter to be good to go through the season. Um, and then while I, while I have it apart and while I have the, uh, YS 91 SR 3DS out, I kind of want to, and I, maybe you guys can give some feedback on this. My, my approach for this review is I really want it to be a comparison review, you know, directly comparing it to what I have so many flights on the 91 SR 3DS against this 96 SRX and really just kind of go head to head. So while these, while the motor's out, I want to do, you know, internal pictures, weights, comparison, side by side pictures, just the whole thing. Um, and just see how they stack up before I even get the, the motor in the helicopter. Hell yeah, dude. I think that makes perfect sense. Um, Because I think a lot of people are anxious to just put them next to each other and get a lot of detail out there um, for what the differences are. Um, So, yeah, hopefully finish up. This next weekend, I'm going to be out of town. So, again, um, get that finished. Finish the install next week. Hopefully get some flights in next week on that and through next weekend and definitely be ready for Othello to put uh, a lot of flights on that. So in addition, unlike all you guys, I did get some flying in this week. How about that? During the week even. Oh, I know. Go ahead. Bring it on. No, no. Bring it on. I'm glad someone did. So, no, it, it was great. I... I'm not. You're not glad someone if did. If you can't have fun, Dan, then no one should have that's, fun. That's there you go. Well, don't don't worry. It's not all you know sunshine. Did you crash? But, uh, eh, no, no, I didn't crash. I got in. So okay, first first off, getting home from work early. The new schedule. Been talking about that. So so far going good. So got home. You know, three thirty probably, and boom, straight over to Troy's house, Kayla's parents' house, with. You know, three acres now to fly on with, and then around that three acres is just more field. So even if you go over a little bit, it's not a, not a huge deal. So awesome location, a couple miles away from my house, which is just perfect. You know, got home from work, threw the batteries on the charger, 
Went and did a couple things real quick once the batteries were ready, threw everything in the truck, and five minutes later, I'm sitting at a field that I can fly 700s at, um, which I don't know if I've really ever had that opportunity. I know I did when I was you know, first getting started with the 450s. There's some parks and stuff around here that I would go to that there was rarely anyone at, but as far as having a 700, a field I could fly a 700 at that close, um, I think this is a first. Um, so got down there and I got six flights in on the Protos before it started freaking shutting down again. Really? And so wait a minute, dude. Well, and there's, I guess there's a couple other things I've discovered since the last kind of update on this. Since it's been a couple weeks, I did get out to the field two weekends ago, but it was after we we recorded. It was when Nick was referencing as you know bogging or loading up the 12s 770. So I was out there that day too. That was after we we recorded a few weeks ago. Um, did not have any issues that day, but I also did not attempt to do any aggressive takeoffs. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not risking it right now. I just, I wanted to go out there and just fly. So I didn't really risk that. But what I did get the chance to do was grab the programming box for the hobby wing and discover that my spool up time was already at nine seconds. So that throws out my whole soft start spool up, you know, Mm -hmm. air, not waiting for it to fully be spooled up. So that it's kind of disappointed to see that I was actually really hoping it would be at 15 because then that would build my argument up but instead you know this kind of tears it down so that's i'm gonna cross that one off that's not not the case and then in addition a couple saturdays ago i did get the chance nick had a little temp gun out there so i'm like okay let me go through and i'm gonna check you know do a do a flight and fly fairly hard and consistently hard throughout the entire flight and then as soon as it gets down rip the canopy off, go right out there. I already have the temp gun in my pocket and hit all the bullet connectors and see if there's any difference in temperatures, anything weird going on. And all of them were right at about 75 to 77 degrees and within one or two degrees of each other. There was like no variation. Even if, you know, if I hit the plastic housing, I unplugged them real quick, hit the bullet itself. Um, I I just couldn't really find any red flags that would point towards uh, soldering at least or the, or the bullets, you know, the, the bullets themselves having a higher resistance. So right now that, you know, that's not really at the top of my list either. Um, And then what I thought was interesting was, so this last week at the field, when it did happen uh, yesterday, it wasn't one, the first time it was right at the beginning of the flight again, where took it off. I'm, I was deliberately now waiting, you know, 15, 20, 30 seconds before I really do anything aggressive. And I go to flip it over, same thing. Shuts down right away. Kind of half auto it down. Luckily here, the, the grass was much longer. So it really just, you know, it went in upright and just caught the grass. So zero damage to, no damage to the heli or anything like that. Um, and then the second time I'm like, okay, now I'm going to you know, test this theory. And so I take it off, wait a good 15, 30, 20, 20 seconds, go out there and just do full collective pitch pumps. And on about the second one, it just shuts off and you know, upright, easy auto, not, not a huge deal. And decided to call it after that. So that was probably 45 seconds into the flight um, when that shut down. So clearly well out of the range of that whole initial spool up, getting the motor up to speed, the governor stabilizing. 
um, and all that. And so, man, I'm I'm really at the point now where I'm probably going to start you know, tweaking some settings. I know it's been thrown out. Try the motor timing. Try this. Try that. I th- I think the first thing I'm going to try is just going back to the V bar gov, um, and see what that does. Kind of pull it out of the hobby wing gov mode and go back to the external gov, um, and then go. Now that I know I can kind of force it with the pitch pumps or hard, you know, hard maneuvers, just kind of go from there. So, so. Jesse, I, has this only started happening since you've run the hobby wing? Yes, but that is the, I've only had the hobby wing on this heli because I switched speed controllers and helis at the same time. Ah, Okay. All so right. I never did fly that, which I still do have that Castle 120. So I never did fly the Castle 120 on the Protos. I made both, you know, I switched both components at the same time. So not a whole lot to fall back on there and go, well, it didn't do it with this speed controller. Um, the only thing I can fall back on is say it didn't do it with, you know, this motor. And this this motor has freaking tons of flights on it. What is so have motor? you checked the motor bearings? Motor bearings, I have not had the motor apart since, um, since I, I guess since I probably built the E7, which was only eight last, late last summer. Okay. But no, I have not since then. Yeah. Uh, Just curious. Cause remember I was getting all that desoldering issues and shit with mine and it was because the motor bearings were absolutely freaking shot. I mean, Was like, it? bad shot. Well, I'm just trying to figure out what would be going on because... I think the ca- on not- mine, the can was actually shifting. It was that bad. No, but what's actually... Yeah, because the, the code it's throwing isn't in the Hobby Wing manual. I'm not picking up high current spikes on the V-bar logs. Um, yeah, I guess I would just be what the actual symptom is that's causing that to shut down if it was the bearings. Because I think... Wouldn't that typically be like an overcurrent or something like that? I would think so. I, I yeah, I don't know, yeah. man. Who who knows? Does I don't know. The motor cause... come down hot. Um, I haven't tempted it recently, but no hotter. I mean, I I always put my hand on it when I'm done, and it does it. I sense no change. What motor is it? Forty five twenty five five twenty ultimate. So, yeah, pull, you know, so I pulled all the motor bullets apart, looked, vi- just visually looked at all the solder connections. Everything still looked nice and bright and clean. Um, no pitting on any of the bullets. No, you know, nothing weird like that. Um, yeah, so at this point, man, it's going to be a, some troubleshoot, some search and find, some guess and check. <laughs> we'll see, man. I'm At this point, I'm kind of getting nervous. I really want that heli going at Othello, 100% confident. Oh yeah. Um, so that so that gives me, you know, probably. I don't know. With with being able to fly this close to home, I'm really hoping. I really want to stick to flying one day after work during the week. So Monday to Friday, squeezing in one day, whether it's you know, that six to ten flight range, and then one day during the weekend. So try to get back up to flying two days a week. So that would give me one day next week, all next weekend. And hopefully one day the following week. And I really, really want to get it nailed down. Um, and yeah, it's one of those problems where it's like, if I knew exactly what would fix it, I'd go out and buy it right now. But it's like, 
yeah, what? Yeah, you don't know. You don't know what's going to fix it. So, got to keep narrowing it down and troubleshooting. Cool. Hmm. Other than that, though, is a good week. I'm, it was nice to get in some flying, especially since I didn't get any in last weekend, and I knew I was going to be gone this weekend, so that was much needed. Get out during the middle of the week, and I'll hit it again next week. You excited for Othello, Jesse? Oh, man, I'm so excited <laughs> for Othello. Now that the motorhome is waxed, cleaned, I oh. you know I've, I did the full appliance check, got all the um, RV antifreeze out of the water lines, fired up all the appliances, make sure everything's still working, and we're good to go, man. It's going to be a good summer, I can tell you that. Is your father-in-law bringing the Traeger or in making? I don't uh, think some they're moves? making it to. Oh, Othello. they're not going to make it. I oh, don't damn. think so. Nope. And they're well, they're they're camping all the time. They're living in their trailer right now inside a shop while they're building the house at the three acres. I'm talking. I've been talking about where I'm flying. So they're not in the camping mood since huh. that's <laughs> that's where they're living. <laughs> so yeah, I I think they're. They'll probably make it to Snohomish and our fun fly. But cool. Not okay. Othello. So. Excellent. Well, maybe we, uh, do we have any news? Uh, I don't have any this week. No news. No, I was not. I was not prepared enough getting, getting ready to do this review. Unless someone else has uh, some. Nope. News is Nick has no news. Yeah. That's that's uh, crazy news. How about you, Justin? You got any news? Nothing, dude. I don't have any news. <sighs> Should we make some up? Sure. Um well, we tried to make some up last week. Bert's designing a plank. That didn't go over real well. <laughs> right. Yes. <sighs> um hmm. I don't know. Don't really have anybody that I want to badmouth, so I guess I can't really make anything up. I know, losing our edge. I know, right? Damn it. You mentioned a review, Nick. Ah, yes. I do have one. Shall we? Fill us in, man. Yeah. Let's dive in. Bump, baby. Well, this one I was excited for. Very, very excited for. What we've got is the Bump Controller by Revelectrics. A big thank you to Jamie over at FMA. They are the uh, U.S. distributor um, and also sponsor of the show. So uh, thank you very much, Jamie, for getting that sent over. Uh, this thing I knew from the moment that it was announced, it it captivated my attention. Uh, being a big Power Lab fan, it just seemed like, oh my gosh, why have we not been doing this since day one? And, uh, you know, as it progressed and as it kind of went through beta and all this, it just kept getting better and better and better. And then when it came release time, you know, wow. I mean, absolutely just wow. So we'll start with the specs. Um, the way it comes out of the box is pretty simple. It's, it's just the control unit. And it's got an EC5 connector off the back of it. Now that will, what'll happen is you'll take that and you actually, um, you have to purchase your own, which would be kind of cool if they threw in the box, but not the end of the world. 
just kind of a typical EC5 Y harness, you know, like for hooking up your batteries or whatever. Um, you need one of those because this is going to actually get plugged in uh, to the same power source that your charger does. And it's very important. And they um, they mention it in a couple different places. And they have great illustrations in the manual that when you power this up, it needs to be connected to a common ground of the charger and your power supply with this ground. Now, you can use separate power supplies like for separate banks of the chargers, but they need to share a common ground. So read through that section very well and make sure that you understand it and you do it properly before you power everything up or you can damage it. Off the back of the unit, it's got a USB port. This is for uh, firmware updates, and then actually you can even like charge uh, charge like a cell phone out of that port, which I thought was kind of cool. I didn't even know, I didn't even realize that till way way late in the review. Uh, there are four servo connectors across the back. What that's for is that means the uh, the bump controller is capable of controlling four separate PowerLab chargers. Uh, those include the PL6, the PL8 version 2, and the dual power lab. So yes, even you PL6 people um, don't feel that because you don't have a PL8, you don't get to play as well because you do. Uh, it is Bluetooth capable, which I thought was pretty sweet. That came out. We talked about it in the news not very long ago that they do have the Android software out. Um, and the full plan, they actually, I thought this was kind of neat on the Rev Electric's website. They have like a roadmap. And so they actually show you the direction that they're headed to, with all of this. So, you know, first is the charge control software is out there. Um, next, they're working on um, integrating your presets that are in your power lab already into the bump controller. So that's being worked on. The Android software's up there. Um, then there's even, they're going to be working on a firmware update to where you can actually change the settings of the charger itself. So, which would put it into a realm of total control over your power lab, like 100% control. Um, and then they're going to do iOS integration, and then um, Windows Mobile. So yeah, kind of neat that they they show you what they're working on now and the direction that they're headed. So once you get out of the box, you get your Y adapter. Um, you make sure that you have your common ground. Uh, we'll get that thing all hooked up. And you know it's it's really neat. There's there uh, an option menu comes up you'll see across the top well depending on how you have the screen set up you can go into the options menu and change some of the settings of just the 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 bump controller itself some of the alarms you can set up how the screen is oriented and you can actually turn on or off the ports that are on the back so like for me I have a dual power lab, so mine only ever, I turn off port three and four, and mine only ever shows port one and two. So you can kind of tailor it um, to your setup. You can set it up to where the screens are like side by side or where they stack on top of each other um, if you have like a dual power lab. 
So I'll get to programming in a second, but I kind of want to go over the more so like the features of the actual unit first. Now on your on your charge screen when you're when you're charging is everything quite truthfully it's everything that we had asked for. Um Justin, I know you remember when the 4010 came out and we were talking about how awesome it was to have everything on one screen. Oh yeah. Yeah, you don't have to flip between menus or remember, you know, what menu it is in the whole That's order right. of things. It's just there. Well, they did precisely what we said. I mean, they put everything and then some and then a little bit more all on one screen. So when you're charging, you know, I have mine set up to where you reach up and you uh, mine are set up to where they go kind of like side by side. So I pick which charger I have on the top of the screen, port one or port two. And you click over to that and it'll show um, what you're charging. It shows the fuel capacity, the current fuel capacity of the battery. It shows the pack voltage, your charge current, how much has gone, how much, uh, how many milliamps you've put into the battery. It also shows how many you've removed if you're going through a or an analyze cycle or a discharge or storage. Shows the elapsed time. And one of my favorite features, it shows the estimated time left. Now, I love that. Love it, love it, love it. Because how many times have you come up to the charger and you're like, God, I wish this thing would hurry up. It's in that like weird, let's say you got it set to charge at 20 amps and you look up and it's at like eight. Okay, well, that's cool. I know that I've now like hit that constant voltage spot, but I don't know how much longer. Is that like six minutes left? Is it eight minutes left? Do I go get another flight in? Or is it one minute left and do I just hold on and hang out and wait to pull the battery off? So I really like that they have that feature on there. Now down kind of toward the center, now we have some more, uh, some smaller menus. One being cell voltage and that, and so with that checked, you can show all the voltage um, up to a six cell all on one screen. Um, next one is cell IR. You can see the IR all of your supply voltage information for your power supply. Um, so you can, you know, keep an eye on that, the actual voltage and the current. It's got a temperature one to show you the temperature of the charger and of the bump controller. I like the charger one too, because you can keep an eye if you're, you know, if you have this thing buried in a charging case, I think it's really cool to be able to monitor that temperature without an extra sensor. Why, Nick, why do they, you said that they give you the temperature of the bump controller? Yeah. <laughs> why is that relevant to? I don't think it is myself. Honestly, I think it, the only thing that I can think of is to maybe help you use it as a reference. Like, hey, here's what the bump controller is. Here's where the charger's at. Like in oh, that situation. Like it's the ambient temperature. Yeah. Because there's no appreciable current flowing through the bump controller. No. That's the only thing that I can think. Okay. I mean, I guess it's one of those they can, so they put it there. Sure, why not? 
Because, like you said, you can kind of use it as a an ambient reference. You know, I wouldn't be like, oh, well, it says it's 100. Okay, is that good or bad? But then you look down at the charger and at the harder charger sitting at like 170. You're like, whoa, that's a big difference. Okay, we better back off of this thing or, you know, maybe associate, get some better cooling going. Right. Um, And then on the setup tab, now this is kind of cool. This checks... You put it on here, and it, it shows your battery. It shows what type of charge, and I'll get to that. The charge rate, uh, the charge current, uh, the maximum voltage, and the minimum voltage for the discharge. It's kind of like just a, a tab to check on the exact settings of the charge that you're doing. And then the last one is the information tab, and this I thought was pretty cool. This is, this is like an actual written description of where it's at in the charge. So it'll actually say status, charging full power. So you know, oh, okay, I'm in the full power portion of the charge or uh, discharging full power. So if you're sitting there and you, you go to discharge and you, you turn on, you're like, oh, I could have swore that it would have like discharged more than that. You can go in and check. And find out, oh, well, okay, maybe that's just tapped out or discharging 50% or it, it just, it's like a written description of where you're at in the charging cycle. Necessary? No. Cool little dorking feature? Yes. Okay, so um, when you, uh, I'll, I'll get to the setup in a second, but when you take, when you have one set up, it's another kind of a cool little thing. And you set it down on the on the bump, which, by the way, um, has, I would consider it uh, completely acceptable, if not excellent, uh, how do I put it, recognition capabilities. I'm never sitting there fiddling around with it, trying to get it to recognize the tech. I have, like, no problems with that whatsoever. It's immediate. It's instantaneous. There's no lag to it. Um, so, like, hardware-wise, you know, the reader portion of it works flawless. Never had anything misread. Never had it, ooh, bump it again or anything like that. So that's really good because you, we all know I don't like lag. So when you bump it and you actually hold it on there, if you leave it, um, a screen will come up that's kind of like your tag ID. Shows the name of the pack, the actual bump ID number, and it shows your total cycle count, which when we go to program the tag, even for even for used batteries, you can start out with a cycle count in there that you put in manually. So this, for me... Justin, I didn't even realize this until about two weeks ago. Remember, I was sitting here going, man, okay, I've got the bump controller that I can like, I know I'm logging stuff. I know it's tracking, but then I've got my, I know I'm tracking all my flights for the models and the batteries in the V control, but I just don't know what's the easiest way to track everything. Right. Yeah. Which one makes more sense? This is it. The bump controller. Absolutely. Because what it does 
it doesn't register a charge until it sees more than 10% of the capacity changed. So, you know, if it's a, if it's a 5,000 milliamp pack, you have to charge and put back in 500 milliamps for it to register a charge. So you can, oh, that's nice. yeah, you can bump it. You can start the charge and go, oh crap. I, I totally forgot. I got to get out of here. You know, wife's calling or kids screaming or whatever and bail out on the charge. And it doesn't count because that's how it registers cycles. I thought that was a very thought through thing. Um, so that is super cool. Uh, and then at this, when you push it in and, or you just set it on there and you hold it in there, this is how you also can copy these settings to another tag. So if you're someone who's got a whole buttload of the same battery, you don't have to go through the setup for every single battery. You just get them right. all ready. You program one and then it's boom, copy, boom, copy, boom. It's a very, very easy process. And this is also where you go back in and change a portion of the settings in the tag, which I will get to. Um, and again, that's just by setting it on there and holding it. Um, when you go to actually charge, you set it, you bump it down on there and you take it off. You don't have to hold it on there or anything. Screen comes up. And right on that screen, it'll have the battery information and it, it will say times one P right next to it. And there's a green button down at the bottom. And I mean, this is it. It's basically a bump and then you hit go. When you program into the tag, you program into how what your personal default is to charge this. And we'll get into those different charges, whether it's normal charge, accurate charge, or fast charge, and you know what rates those are. But you can change it from this spot, but you don't have to. So this gets into the convenient portion of it. When you're at the field just banging out flights, you know, flying all your different models or whatever. It's bump it once, push go. Done. That's it. If I want to, if I decide to, let's say I've got, um, you know, more packs that I want to put on, I can hit that times 1P and just push it right there. 2P, 3P, 4P. And that stands for how many packs in parallel. This is a really cool feature. Another one I just found out about. This was a discussion that a bunch of us were having. Um, you can take one battery, bump it, take another battery on the same charge port and bump it, and take one more battery and bump it on there. It will actually log three packs charged in parallel. So now obviously you're you're still looking at overall voltage for all the packs, overall cell voltage. But my point was I had not been parallel charging other than like an individual pack, a stick pack I would parallel charge. But I hadn't been charging lots of multiple packs on there because I wanted to, at first I thought, oh, well, if I bump one battery and I throw two more on, it's not registering the cycles for the other ones. And since right. I'm in the battery review, I, I'm being dead on accurate with my cycle count. Well, you can. 
you just bump all three batteries and basically you're telling it, hey, I'm charging these three packs in parallel. So please go ahead and count the cycles for it. That's really Interesting. cool. Yeah. Nice. Another really cool feature that wasn't super intuitive, but it works. So so hold on. Going back really quick. You mm-hmm. say you, you bump it and it loads that pack setting. Yeah. And then you press the button. Yep. Can you set it up so that you don't have to press any buttons? No, you have to press go. So you can't like bump it and then bump it a second time and it takes that as like a go. There's not like a secret like bump shake. Nope. <laughs> nope. You got to bump it once, look at what's on the screen, and then hit go. You okay. have to push it one time, which isn't that bad. The way I have mine set up, I actually plug all the batteries in first and then I have the tags at the back end of the battery. So they reach over and bump after it's all plugged yeah, in. Yeah, you just swing it around and bump it afterwards. Yeah. yeah, which seems which works really, really well. So no issues there. Um, and then as far as okay, so as far as the ch- charge type. What we can do here, we can do an accurate charge. And now the rate at which these charge at um, is determined by you when you program the tag. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, But it is the difference in them. I don't know if you guys remember when we did the dual power lab review. And those of you who've kind of messed around in your chargers, it's the C dash certain number. C over 5, C over 10, C over 20. And that's the basically the rate at which you quit charging at. And it affects the accuracy of your balance. It's, it's directly tied to your charge current. So the lower the charge current you charge at, you know, and, and you go C over 20 or whatever, C over 20 is going to be a far more accurate and I mean, dead on flawless balance takes its sweet ass merry time to make everything perfect. So they're set up different with the accurate charge. I don't think they actually tell, they might actually tell you in the manual uh, what that rate is. Oh, I take that back. Here we go. Um, C over, oh, okay. So let's see. C over 20, C over 10, and C over 5. Uh, so that would be for accurate charge, normal charge, and fast charge. Now, I personally, one thing that I would like to be able to do, I would like to be able to change that because what I found is that while I love to fast charge, my fast charge at a very high rate, so 5C fast charge, doesn't quite balance it's not that it doesn't balance as good as i want it doesn't get as close to my my end voltage my cell voltage that i want it to so i would like to be able to change that c number for each one like i just want a fast charge to be a higher current but i still want it to balance the same as my normal charge now accurate charge that's fine we can let it do its thing all day long. I'm not worried about it. But I would like to be able to customize that rate. And as of right now, you can't do it. So eh, that was kind of the little nitpicky on my part. 
We can also do a storage charge, a discharge, which brings it down to your minimum cell voltage, and then the analyze cycle. Analyze cycle is a charge, discharge, charge, full cycle, kind of like uh, the cycle feature in the dual power labs um, that goes through. And in the end of that, it will spit out uh, IR values and an actual pack capacity. So that's kind of cool. I dig that. I haven't done that yet because, quite frankly, I was infatuated with Justin's dorky little discharger thing. And it was just kind of fun because it's it's much faster. This is going to be a very slow process, especially when you start dealing with like 5,000s. Because to figure, why figuring out pack capacity is actually a lot more difficult than we thought is because a lot of it has to do with the rate at which you charge it. You know, if you think about going back to that C over number, you know, if I'm charging at, at, 0.5 C, I'm going to put a lot more back in that battery uh, for a discharge level than I will if I'm charging at 3 C. It's just, it's a yep. fact. That's how it goes. Um, so there, it's a, it's a long process, but I like that it's there and it gives you that option. Okay. So another thing that is really cool, and this was actually added as an update kind of mid-review they added the manual operation. So that means now you can use this without a bump tag. You don't have to have a tag on your battery. Not every battery needs a tag on it. You've got, you know, like your maybe your starter battery or, or something that you just very rarely use. But obviously, once you get your charger all set up with this, this is all you're going to want to use. Um, so you can go into the manual side. It's very self-explanatory. You've got cell count, chemistry, again, what type of charge, accurate, normal, or fast, your cell terminating voltage, and your current all on one screen. I mean, it's a simple go to that screen, plug in all your settings, go. Done. So very easy to, I mean, I charge everything with mine like that. Car batteries. <laughs> Pretty much everything. Um, okay, so let's get into some actual programming of the bump tag because this is where it gets uh, what I'm going to call interesting. So on the first first time you have a blank tag, you put it over the thing, it's going to recognize that it's a blank tag. It'll say new bump tag found. Uh, select setup to configure the tag for use with one of your batteries. So you click on setup. And first you come to your chemistry and then you have your cell maximum voltage and your cell minimum voltage. So for LiPo, we've got 4.2 volts and then 3.3 volts. That's all very self-explanatory. Um, next screen is it's got your cell count. Now for the, this is super cool. I mean, super, super cool for a stick pack. We are going to set, you can do it one of two ways. You can put two separate bump tags on it if you're always going to track each half of the pack. So, you know, maybe it's one that you've, you're flying, you know, half and half on a, a 6S570 and you're using it for sticking another one. Then you're going to want to do it separate. But like most of mine, once they go together, they stay together. 
So for the cell count, I'm actually going to put it in, I'm going to put 12S in there because it's a 12S pack. But then the next parameter down is pack. So now you can tell it, oh, okay, it's a 12S, but it's consisting of two packs. And we put in the capacity on that same screen. Uh, my one little annoyance here, and um, by the way, everyone, you can go on uh, my YouTube page. Just, just, I mean, you can Google it or whatever. I have the overview videos of this, and you can see what I'm talking about here. The scrolling feature on this is clunky. Since it starts out at zero, and we're going in like increments of 10 milliamps, it is, you can't just hold, push and hold down on the plus one. It like goes, and then stops, and then kind of stops. And then it'll stop. And then it might count through a hundred. It's just not smooth. And it is a little, it takes a while. You have to be patient. You know what it reminds me of is like a Futaba radio. Trying to scroll through stuff mm-hmm. where it just never seemed to scroll oh, yeah. smoothly. Oh, you know what I the, mean? Like with the little, um, the touch sensitive wheel thing. Yeah, it just wasn't smooth. So that part's kind of annoying. Again, not a big deal, but I'm trying to really pick this thing apart. Okay, the dreaded next screen. All right. So here's the <laughs> scoop with this on this next screen. The first parameter is discharge max. Okay, that's all it says. If you look in the manual, there's no explanation on that one. Some of the other ones like cell voltage, minimum cell voltage, pack count, cell count have descriptions. That one does not. Myself and a fair amount of other people, uh, there's a thread going in RC groups, took this to be the maximum that I would discharge this pack at. Now, okay, uh, 3C, I mean, sure, I can put them all at 3C because on my dual power lab, I'm only going to be discharging at 4 amps anyway. It's never going to get to 3C. But I thought 3C was, you know, okay, or even 1. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, it does, and it the parameter name discharge max is very misleading that in my opinion should say battery C rating because that's what they want in there is the actual C rating on the label of the battery. Why? (laughs) Why? Okay. I need, I need facts here, man. <laughs> and I got facts for you because I have done, like, I, for the record, I got roasted for this because this portion, and we're two screens away from me giving you the big warning of, okay, once you go past here, you cannot reprogram this portion of the tag. Okay, and I got roasted because in the video, I put one C in there thinking that it didn't matter. And it did, and apparently a bunch of people saw it and ruined their tags or whatever, but then I felt really shitty about it, and then I found out that three-quarters of the people didn't watch my video, and they did it all by themselves anyway. Mm -hmm. It's just a bad description, period. 
Okay. And it correlates with the next parameter down, which is cell IR. As you change the discharge max one and dial in your C rating, you will see this cell IR value change with it. And what that is, is that is an approximate milliohm reading for what you should see at that C rating. And it dials it in with it. Now, what that does is then you can set up alarms within the charger. Because keep in mind, it's watching your IR, right? Every time you charge, it will throw off an alarm if your cell IR gets too far off from what it should be. How does it know what it should be? This is how it knows what it should be. Oh, man, some bitch is going to be alarming all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Mm. When you throw down a 65C rating in there. Yeah. yeah. I, okay. I, I, I don't understand this. I well, don't get it. I get the theory, but I, I kind of got. What is the theory? Well, I mean, the theory is that if you did put an accurate C rating in there, it's a great safety feature, right? I mean, if I tell it. I say, yeah, this should have on a healthy pack, this should be um, one, you know, whatever, 1.5 milliohms. Okay. 1.4. And all of a sudden, it's good. And I have it set up to where it's a, a four times factor or three times factor. So I have it set up to where anytime it hits four and a half milliohms in the charger, it throws off an alarm. That's awesome. That could potentially save me from causing a fire in my charging station if I have a cell IR that's way off, or uh, you know, or help me. Wow, you know what, dude? This pack really kind of is starting to go bad. Maybe I should run an analyze cycle on it. So that portion of it's great, but their lack of information right there really made it kind of confusing. And I had to go to this thread to get, because, okay, here's how Nick works. Throw me under the bus a little bit, and now I'm going to start digging. I want answers. And I want facts for answers, not half-ass answers. And the answers that I got were, uh, you know, they explained that portion of it. Oh, put label C rating in there. We account for, I think they said they account for the fact that that might not be the real C rating. Okay, now, so that was not, that to me, that was a little bit of a dodgy answer, right? But something that I literally just found out today. Now I need to get one of these just to figure out what the hell is going on with that. But this is cool. Okay. So at that point, I'm now like, whatever. This is sketch. Just for that portion of it, for the record. But then, get this. Supposedly, when you run an analyze cycle, it replaces that information. Okay. It actually replaces. Permanently? Again, I don't know because if I can't go change this, right? Can you can you yeah. like just choose not to implement this option? Yeah, well, you can do exactly what I did. 
I mean, you can put whatever the hell you want in there. But but can you turn the IR alarm off? Oh, you could easily set it to uh, for okay. How about this, Justin? I put in one C on mine, which is some pretty <laughs> dude. That's some yeah, pretty you, bad IR values. Yeah, I know right? you're. And I'm you're flying like a one ohm resistor. <laughs> yeah, and so whatever the default settings are, my alarm's never gone off. And you saw my what my voltage dropped down to <laughs> on my 500 packs. So it's not like it's an annoying thing. I didn't even know I did it wrong for a long time. I mean, this is this is features of the charger. It's not it doesn't change the function. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah if yeah. you if you but program you have it, to program yeah. it. Well, you're you you have to go through that screen. So something is going to be in there and the default and this was another thing they said they might change. They might change the default value that they put in there because they said they might change it to like 10C or 15C to catch your attention a little more. And I'm like, uh, yeah. If you're going to name it Discharge Max, dude, that's not battery C rating. Well, that's what it should be labeled is battery C rating. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So. Uh, that's and it it will help dial in your fuel table a little bit better um which we'll get to as well uh after you do the analyze cycle so it's good to do it right i mean my point don't put the max discharge in there put the c label rating on the battery it will automatically adjust the cell ir to what you know their presets are you can manually change the cell ir right here you can change it to where you say, no, 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 no. I want to call this a 45C battery. And I also want, I'm going to tell you that for a 45C battery, I expect 1.4 milliohms. You know, even though it's not really a 45C, but you know what I mean. So they give you the option to do that. Um, also on that screen is the maximum charge C which I set all of mine to five. It's just, it gives me the capability to go to that. That doesn't mean I have to. But again, these are like your your maximums. Next screen after that is the battery name, where you name the battery, pretty self-explanatory. And then comes the big warning. Battery ratings can only be set once. Are you sure all the previous values are correct? Please make sure they're right. <laughs> this, <laughs> this portion of it is a one-time chili dog. That's it. I don't personally agree with that, but it is what it is. So you have to be aware of it. Um, you can also set up, uh, which this is kind of cool. You can set up your stick packs to default to parallel charging or separate. And it also gives you the option when you bump it. So that's kind of a cool deal. Some people have stick packs, but always want to charge the batteries separately. And you can have it do that. Or you can have it always just parallel charge, which is what I do. Um, since I, I just put them all on one port. So what's kind of neat 
And I think this is really cool. When you do them separate, so say you have a dual power lab or two PL6s or two PL8s. So I bump it on one port. So I'm on port one. I bump my battery. The screen pops up, says, oh, hey, do you want to do these parallel or separate? I say, oh, I'm going to do them separate. The second I click separate, it ties the two ports together. So it ties the ports together, and you can see it on the top of the screen. The tabs for port one and port two, like, morph together, and there's no space in between. And it automatically configures the second Mm -hmm. port. And when you press go on the next screen, just like normal, it starts both chargers. So I think that's really neat that they did that. So now comes the user settings. Now, these are the settings that are stored within the tank that are changeable at any point in time. And what do you know? They have all these settings names with descriptions. Descriptions after them. And you can change it so that if you do make a mistake, you can change it. Get my drift there? Yes. Trying to be subtle. (laughs) Anyway, so we have uh, some of the battery settings. This goes back to that charge style. Accurate charge, normal charge, fast charge, and discharge. This is where you set the C ratings um, for how you want to charge them at. And you notice something here that I'm going to bring up. Some people might have caught on, some not. You notice I'm talking a lot about C ratings. Mm -hmm. And other chargers, it's all in amps this thing lives that's how it thinks c rating what do you want to charge at? one c since all the information is stored in the in the battery we're we're kind of not doing the math anymore it's doing all of the math for us that's all you have to think about so you're not putting it on being like oh i'm going to charge this battery this 4500 at 3c Okay, what's three times 4.5? Oh, yeah, this. Okay, there we go. Everything is done in C. So it's just a different way of doing it. I personally now that... Different mindset. What's that? Just a different mindset. Yeah, now that I... I also think it's easier. It might be easier for newer guys to the hobby. Absolutely, dude. Especially when you're doing like... When you're doing crazy weird multiple packs... Right. You know, let's say you got a 4,500 on and a 5,000 on and a 3,300, and I want to charge at 2C. <laughs> Dude, get out your calculator. Yeah, not so much. Bump one pack, bump two pack, bump three pack, normal charge, go. Done. Because I program in, you know, I have mine. The default values are accu- accurate charges 1C, normal charges 2C, fast charges 3. I have mine 1, 3, and 5. That's just how I personally charge. And then you can also set your discharge C current here as well. Uh, For uh, the screen after that, you can set the end voltage for each charge. So maybe accurate charge and normal charge, you want it to charge all the way up to 4.2 volts. But fast charge, you want it to go to 4.19. You'd actually be surprised what that cuts off of your charge time in comparison to what you lose on your flight time, very, very minimal. If, I mean, yeah, very minimal. And it will definitely, if you're going for that back-to-back-to-back-to-back flying, give it a shot. You might be surprised. uh, You also set your discharge voltage here, too. 
uh, which is defaulted at 3.3 volts. Next screen is your storage charge. So you can program in uh, the exact voltage that you want it to store to. Um, default operation. So this, like I had mentioned, when I first bump it, what is it? If I just hit go, what is it going to charge at? And this, you can set it to um, accurate charge, normal, fast, or whatever. You can have it do whatever you want. Um, you can set in the charge number. So if you start with a, let's say you, you, you go and, you know, you say, oh, this thing's, I got to have it. And you go buy one and you know that you have 30 cycles on a pack. You can change the charge number right here. You can put in 30 cycles, program your tag and you're good to go. So you it, don't be afraid to use your used batteries, even if you're guessing. I mean, anything is better than nothing. There's also a checkbox for use the balance leads. This is pretty cool. PowerLab in the past has been like massively dependent on must have balance leads and you couldn't turn that feature off for some stuff. That kind of sucked for guys that were trying to charge weirdo packs for weird stuff. Yep. And uh, this does give you that option. The screen after that is the fuel table. Again, this is a, a graph, a charted graph of what voltage values give you what fuel percentages. And this is what helps when you do the analyze cycle and it rewrites to the tag. It will help adjust this to be more accurate for the capacity that it ends up coming up with um, over your analyze cycle. So that's pretty cool. Now, having said that, I haven't done the analyze cycle, and obviously I put in the wrong discharge thing. And, you know, for me, the accuracy here is only extremely important on the 20%. I live at that 20% number because I'm using the, the V control. You know, everything is dialed around what is my voltage at 20% remaining so that I can get those match, matched up. It defaults at, I think, 375, which is what I like. Past that, I, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, whether it's 50 or 53% doesn't particularly matter for me and my, and my personal needs. Um, but it, I do think it's cool that you can change. I think there's like 10 points on this graph that you can change every 10% increment. Mm. So that's pretty cool. Uh, once you get that done, it's like, okay, you ready? Here we go. And you hold on the battery. Uh, you hold the battery over the top, bump it and hold and it eh, waits and then boom, boom, it's done. And that's it. Here's a kind of a cool thing, a uh, cool and a bad. Well, I shouldn't say it's a bad. It is a cool thing. It's a bad if you're a dummy and don't pay attention. Right after you get done programming a bump tag, all of that information stays up on the screen and it actually says, do you want to copy another? <laughs> Here's the point where you can just, oh yeah, sweet. Keep bumping all your other batteries, right? So you don't have to do that again. Hmm. Here's also the point at which you absolutely must press clear. If you want to start programming a completely different battery. Oh, no. 
Yeah. So you, oh, oh yeah. Because I'm just like, I stuck all my oh, stickers yeah. on all my packs, like, oh, yeah, one at a time, going through different names, you know, and I bumped it. And wait, wait, wait. Did deep, sweet, next, grabbed the next battery, went to bump it and start, and went, oh, crap. Done. Tag wiped. <laughs> Ruined it. So it can happen very fast that you can ruin that tag. And again, because how we many can't. tags did you go through, dude? So I've done probably, oh man, I think I've probably done 12 or 14 or something like that. And I ruined one like right off the bat. I mean, right off the bat in this spot right here. And then I think I have goofed up one other tag, but mm. you know they're yeah. Cause I, I remember coming over saying, "Yeah, this this tag right here that was just stuck on your toolbox is a six S thirty three hundred." Yeah, <laughs> and that's the one. Like- it was a six S five thousand OptiPower thirty six S five thousand. Yep, there it is, right there. So if I ever buy another one of those batteries, I'm just gonna stick that tag on it. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Yeah, so that kind of stinks. But, you know, I mean, kind of given the big overview, it's it's free. I rag on them for a couple spots, you know, but it doesn't affect the function. It's it's a lack of description on their part. A very well-written manual. It's just they dropped the ball on, like, two little things. Uh, unfortunately, because of the, you can't, I mean, if you could rewrite this, it, it, none of it would have been a big deal. And I, you know, that whole portion of it just wasn't explained very well. So a lot of people made a mistake on it. Now that you guys are aware of it, I, I, my only complaint, I mean, now that I know, I know of that. My only complaint is that it doesn't scroll smooth to put in the milliamps on the pack. <laughs> That's it because it has worked. I, like I would never go back. Sorry. No way. Mm. I freaking love it. I have bump tags on everything. Receiver packs, a starter bat, you name it. All of it. I freaking love it. I just, I, I love it. I love the display. I love that I can see everything on there. I definitely, you know, what, what iCharger had as an advantage, um, over PowerLab when, you know, when the 4010 and the 308 and all those came out with the color screen, you know, PowerLab's always had that reliability edge on them. And the actual performance, I believe. But, you know, iCharger got it with the aesthetics. Dude, they, they killed it with this. And then now with the, you know, with the Bluetooth and the Android app capability and, you know, eventually going to be an iOS app. It's like, dude, wow. It To me, it, it is still my coolest doodad of the year. And I really really kind of find it hard to believe that it'll be topped for dude out of the year because yeah. it's just question yo, go ahead question for you it's a two-part question what's the oil ratio and where do you put the fuel <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I actually have a serious question. Okay. The, um, it, it sounds to me like, I mean, that's a ton of information that you just went over. Oh yeah. Is there, is there a, is there a good resource of documentation other than, you know, streaming through forums? Do they give you it's a user's got, manual? Yeah. Everything's in the manual. And with the exception of, you know, the order's a little bit odd. And I'm, I kind of actually use the manual for notes just so that I didn't miss anything. Cause like you said, there's so much information. Um, it's a very well written manual. It's got pictures where it needs to have pictures. Um, you know, they just, it was just a couple, uh, like really only that one spot that they yeah, happened yeah. to leave out the description. For that one parameter that ended up causing, you know, some discomfort for some people. But I, I want to be very clear about this. Those tags, I did like six tags, all air quotes incorrectly. I didn't take them off or replace them. I'm still using them to this day. <laughs> I'm aware that I, I, you know, my fuel table might be a couple percent off. And I'm going to lose out on the IR alarm feature for those packs, but they're still usable. So with the exception of that one, you know, poorly chosen name parameter and lack of information on that one parameter, they did a great job on the manual. A great job on the manual. How much do the bump, the little tags cost? Aside from the, I know you get several when you order it, but you can buy extras. Do you know how much? I know they're not that expensive. No, they're really not that bad. Let me do, I don't, I don't want to guess. I've got an approximation, but you know what? We'll just. We can deal with approximations. We we try not to do approximations in reviews, Dan. (laughs) 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 I'm looking, I'm looking. Here we go. They're sold in. They're sold in groups of of six. So mm-hmm. twelve of them at the USA warehouse is eighteen bucks. Yeah, it's not a twelve that's a lot of batteries, man. It is. Yeah, and it so is. you know, okay. Oh, I did them all wrong. Uh, you're right. You're out, you know, or I did a bunch of them wrong. You're out ten bucks. Yeah. You know? Okay. So you're out a pair of EC5s. <laughs> In perspective. Yeah. 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 So I, I dig it though, man. I mean, it's a must have for me. If you're a charging case kind of guy, if you have been wanting to build a charging case or you have a charging case, dude, this is some serious next level shit because mm-hmm. I would never even consider having my charger accessible now. To get your, you know, one thing I should mention, to get your charger to work with this, it's very simple. The instructions are in the manual. It's like you hold, you turn the charger on, you hold two buttons down, like the the up and down button, I think, on the charger, increment and decrement button, and you hold those down for like two seconds, and that goes into setup mode. You scroll over a couple menus, and you basically put the charger in expansion channel mode. Hit enter and that's it. So if at any point you do happen to have a problem with it, you're out the field, you're like, dude, oh my gosh, something's not right or I can't figure it out. You can very easily go back 
And as of right now, you know, they talked about in those updates, something they were working on is incorporating your existing presets. Like, dude, I had like 18 or something presets in my dual power lab that I had stored in there that you do have to, you're, you know, you're redoing everything, but they're trying to incorporate those in between the two. But what's cool is that it doesn't overwrite those. So, you know, if you do want to disconnect the bump controller from it, it takes all of about four or five seconds and you're right back to a normal charger with your normal presets that you had in there before. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely two thumbs up. Uh, Just a couple things you need to be aware of uh, programming-wise going into it. Nothing but happy with it, um, knowing those little things and very unique. No one else is doing anything like it, which I think is just super, super cool. And, uh, yeah, I love it. So, thank you, Rev Electrics, for sending that over. Um, Sorry we had to pick apart couple of the little nuances, but that's how it goes. That's how reviews work. Yeah. Yeah. So you ready to actually use yours now, Dan? <sighs> um, if I get an electric alley, yeah. One that I fly, actually. Yeah. Dude, Which, just bump your receiver packs. Uh, it seems a little overkill. <laughs> <laughs> no. Come on. I will once I get it set up. Absolutely. I'll bring it to Othello. We'll get yeah, you should bring that whole charger thing, and there we'll get go. it all. Mm-hmm. We'll get it all set up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there's an electric alley in my near future, anyway. Right? The one of them. You got to fly them all. Yeah, <laughs> got to figure it out. It's gonna be a speed heli. Yes, Justin. It is. Sure. <laughs> how How did you guess? <laughs> wow, you got it. Nailed it. I know, man. <laughs> I just, I, I have that gift, Dan. It's going to be a gasser speed. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Me. Hey, you, you could do a, you could, you could do a, a speed ga- class in gasser, couldn't you? Oh yeah. In fact, in past urches, they've had fuelies fly. Yeah. Raja has won before. That's a relative term. Well, one for the fuel models, right? At like 88 miles per hour. Hey, Justin. Yeah, never mind. That's very inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah, it's a hell of a funny joke, but so inappropriate. Second episode in a row Uh, that he blue balls us on a joke. I know, right? What a dick. I don't want... It's a very sensitive talker for some people, so... Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, so moving right along, what do you think? Should we wrap it up? Or do you want to? Uh, we wanna... probably should. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got a pretty healthy list here. But we I do. think we'll uh, I think we'll do a, a, a jam-packed triple-decker club trio sandwich next episode. Next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With mayo Complete on the side? with the toothpicks. Mayo, uh, grape poupon. Some grape poupon. Oh, grape poupon. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, run through some emails real quick. Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? You would send me an email to nick at rchellynation.com. 
How about you, Justin? You would send me an email to justin at rchelynation.com. Jesse. You could send me an email to jesse at rchelynation.com. I'm Dan. You could reach me at dan at rchelynation.com. Dan can read on the forums and Facebook. Well, other than Othello, there's no other events happening anytime soon, is there? I haven't even really looked at our calendar. The next one after, well, in our area at least, the next one after ours is Dieter's. Dieter's, that's right. Dieter, 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 Dieter. And then end of July is Snohomish. And then ours is Dan. Uh, August 17th. <sighs> September 17th. <laughs> Dude. October 17th? <laughs> 2016? Yeah. It's this year, Justin. Yeah. Don't joke. People are already planning, dude. September 15th through the 18th. Oh, my. that's kind of right. In Oregon. Yep. I was, yeah. I was relatively close. We need to get that web page made. There. Yes, we do. What do we need to get made? We need to get all the stuff ready the and made in the flyers the and web page. It is on my page. list. I just haven't gotten to it. Well, check us out on Facebook. Uh, we should be crouching in on 5K, right? Yeah. Pretty close. Yep. Getting there. Uh, if you have a question about citizen cards, uh, T-shirts, anything like that, you can direct those to CanadaRCLNation.com. Give them a big thank you, too. If you, if you do send them an email, let them know how much we appreciate his help and support. And uh, I think that about wraps this one up, guys. This is episode 231. 231 episodes. That's a lot of episodes, guys. That is a lot. Dude. It That's is a lot of talking up there. <laughs> anyway, we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We'll see you on Monday. Bump. Bump the pack. Bump it. Oh. Ne- we'll see you next time. Yes. It's later. Later. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Blade Helicopters, BK Servos, Revelectrics USA, and Rotary Wing RC. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.